are you? I am okay. How are you? I'm good. So um, right before we get into today's uh, subject, did you see Scott the Peterson? News? Scott Peterson? No. Oh. no. Did you see the news <laughs> about the Delphi case? No, because I was busy reading the news about the Scott Peterson case. <laughs> okay. I will catch you up yeah. about Delphi yeah. and then you catch me up okay. about Scott Peterson. Go. So, um, the Delphi, the Libyan Abbey, yes. those two girls who were murdered. Down the hill, um, yeah. The uh, Indiana, or maybe it was the Delphi police. One oh, they the, released a press statement, right? About this like fake catfish um, social media person that they were trying to find yeah not the photos but like the owner of the account yeah and they this is so big and they found who it was they found the owner apparently i saw this in like deep buried in the comments somewhere uh-huh. that apparently they identified the person and this person is currently incarcerated somewhere but they're looking for more information on them oh nice um out of curiosity, why would they release that information? Do you know what I'm saying? Out of because I'm sure they've gotten like tips and like oh yeah and uh, and stories. What especially if they're waiting to collect more information on this person, there has to be a motive for them making an announcement like that. Do you know what I'm saying? I think that there's something. I mean, we know that they were using social media. Yeah. I'm wondering if this person, they think that they they may have worked to, like, lure the girls out there uh-huh. or what. So yeah. it's interesting. It's just, it's, what really sucks is that we're like, oh, look at this little juicy tidbit yeah. on this case where they've barely shared anything. Yeah. It sucks. I just, I really hope this leads to yeah. something worth talking about. And I know we haven't done an episode on that case, right? You and right old host never did either. <laughs> yeah, um, I kind of because all the everyone's the coverage of it, it is yeah. exactly the same. So, yeah. so if, yeah, if we get a substantial lead, like, um, like, recently, yeah, the guy with the same voice, right? No, that one guy. Um, the uh, the there was the Faith Hed- Hedgepith case that just had a huge breakthrough that it was un- this unsolved murder of this college girl. Oh, yes, yes. And uh-huh. they just finally made an arrest, oh, which okay. is so huge. So now I'm more inclined to actually do coverage of it because this is so is a big. A, yeah. Oh, Um. but yeah. So what happened with Scott Peterson? Well, Scott Peterson, they retried his case or oh, is that done? Yeah, I that's it was done. Happening. And he was resentenced this time because he the first time he was sentenced to death. And now he's just sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. OK, so I know there's a lot of people out there that are you know, that feel, especially after a couple of documentaries and stuff have come out about it, that he didn't do it. The only thing he is guilty of is basically making stupid decisions after his wife went missing um, and having an affair. But I still think 100% he killed her. 100%. Yeah, you know, I haven't looked into it enough. And I'm... I'm one of those like, oh, maybe, oh, maybe, yeah, uh, I, might, like, I might do like a episode where I cover both sides, like of the people who think he did it and their thinking and the people who, you know don't. what we should do. Oh. I think this would be fun. 
Uh, maybe our listeners can tell us if they want to do this. We should have a drunk debate. Oh, we should. <laughs> where one of us is pro he did it and the other is he didn't do it. We and we could just drunk argue. With, I like, think that would be like, so much fun. Like drunk history, but drunk debate. <laughs> yes. We should. we should. We should. I think that would be fun. Debating under the influence. <laughs> oh, my God. We finally figured out what we can put on Patreon. Yeah, true <laughs> true crime under the influence. That's oh what our God. special episodes will be. And we that... know that it only takes like one drink for me and I am done. <laughs> oh, man. That actually legitimately sounds that like would, a really that fun That would idea. actually be fun. We should do I'm that. I'm so proud of us. We're so cool. We are so cool. We're the coolest. Uh, we should do that uh, over my Christmas break. So it... It doesn't matter. Like, we should do that soon. I think that, I would, think be that would be fun. Yeah, let's do that. We'll plan for it. Also, yeah. we hit 25,000 downloads. What? Yay! So that means that uh, we, we can get give something away. Yay! We still haven't it. talked about it. No, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> let's okay. talk specifics and maybe yeah. we'll put up a post for everyone yeah. by, you know what, by next week, yeah. next episode, we okay. will actually have it figured out and we'll fully announce what's going on yeah um let's because, do it because i said it so now i'm committed yeah now you are committed okay what do you All have right. for me today uh today i have the story of stacy peterson oh coincidentally any relation to peter wait peter scott <laughs> <laughs> okay so this is um this actually is a listener suggestion it came from jenny okay and when I read this, initially, I was like, "There, everybody has done the Peterson case, and everyone thinks Scott did it. And then I was like, hold on a second. Stacy, not Lacey. Uh. <laughs> and then digging into this, I, I think I've heard maybe like a blurb on it, but I've never dug into it. And um, it's kind of an intriguing story. So we will just get into it. I am excited. All right. So um, our story is going to start with Drew Peterson. Um, Drew grew up in Villa Park, Illinois. There's not a whole lot known about his early life, but uh, his high school girlfriend, Carol, said that he was very outgoing, told a lot of jokes. Uh, he was that guy. What and, do you mean? What do you uh, mean? Like the, the confident, joking... Um, outgoing sporty guy kind of oh those are the worst no i'm kidding i know some people <laughs> like them some people do don't too. but that's yeah that's who he, he was very charming charismatic people liked him yeah um they went to senior prom together and after graduation drew actually ended up joining the army okay and Drew and Carol, high school sweethearts, because I know you love love. I love love. <laughs> they were married in 1974. Okay. Um, after a couple years, they ended up moving to Virginia, where Drew, still in the Army, began training as an MP, so a military policeman. Okay. Um, by 1977, they actually moved back to Illinois. I believe sometime during this time, Drew... Uh, left the army, but he ended up joining the police force in Bolingbrook, Illinois. So he became a police officer. Bolingbrook. Was... That's a good place. 
That it sounds feels nice. weird to say. Yeah. Balling Brook. I like it. I'm down. So this was just the kind of work that he was good at. It's what he wanted to do. He's good at it. Cool. So 1978, he actually was assigned to work narcotics and he worked as an undercover cop. So like oh. an undercover agent in narcotics. That would be my dream job. I just can't keep a secret to save my fucking life. <laughs> I was going to say I could. Yeah, I, but that would be a, like they would be like, OK, we're going to this spot. Don't tell anyone. And I'd be like, I OK, can see you with like your little notepad. Yeah. Can you spell that? Yeah. OK, I won't tell anyone. And then I'd be like dialing my mom. Mom, guess what? <laughs> so, yeah, no, they'd have my phone tapped and I would be done. Yeah, but this is, I mean, that's impressive because that's dedication. That it's is. a very dangerous job. Uh, not everyone gets to be an undercover officer. No. And unfortunately, Drew did start showing some signs of being more than a little controlling. Oh. Um, Carol, in a classic abused spouse situation, okay. she would she would say... You know, Drew doesn't really like me going out with my friends, but like he doesn't like hold me in the house. He doesn't like forbid me from going out. He just he kind of doesn't like it. Uh, okay. That's still a little weird. Uh, a lot weird that she would even have to explain it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Conversely, Drew, uh, the undercover officer in the narcotics world, would go out pretty much every night. As part of his cover, like he's supposed to be one of these people in the drug scene. They're expected to have a certain kind of lifestyle. So he was always gone. I would understand it maybe because that is a very dangerous job. It is a very dangerous dangerous job. Not only for him, but also for the family that if anybody suspects, I mean, they're going to go after his family. So if it was a safety thing, I could understand that. I did not get the feeling that this was a safety thing. Okay. Um, In 1980, Carol gave birth to their son. I did not get a name on this son. Um, But she gave birth to a son. And uh, also in 1980, uh, Drew ended up responding to a theft at a local gas station where a young woman was working part-time. Uh, this young woman thought Drew was handsome. He was a classic, like, 70s, 80s, like, full mustachioed policeman. And she was not shy in showing she had interest for Drew. Really? And likewise, Drew was not shy in showing that he had interest in this young woman. Ugh, trash. Carol just gave birth to their child. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You're married. Your wife just gave birth to your kid. Like, well, they started an affair. Of course. And Carol decided that she was tired of his cheating because, by the way, this was not the first time. And that he cheated or that she. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is not the first time he cheated. This was just the last draw for Carol and she divorced Drew. Good. Good for her. I would say good for her, except that Drew. Uh, becoming more controlling. Uh, Carol could not afford her own attorney. So Drew hired someone to represent both of them. Both Carol and that's a mistake. Weird. Very weird. 
But, you know, Carol can't afford anyone. So and she needs some kind of representation. And she did comment later. She said this was very questionable ethics on the lawyer's part. And it was absolute control on Drew's part. Well, obviously. Yeah. So four months after the divorce, the gas station clerk, I couldn't quite get her first name. Um, I saw something that looked like it might be her first name, but it looked weird. So I'm just going to call her by her last name. Her last name was Peary. Okay. Now, Drew had had kids with Carol mm-hmm. and he had visitation with his kids. Peary decided that she was not ready to be a step parent and she broke off their relationship. Okay. It's not for everyone. And, you know, smart on her. You know, you know you can't handle it. Yeah. Get yourself out. Better than staying and being a huge, like, monster to your stepkids. Yeah. Or yeah. being miserable because that's not what you want. Like, exactly. Do for you. Yeah. Carol remarried. Good for Carol. And she had primary custody of their two sons. Okay. Drew would pay child support. No deadbeat there. He would pay his child support. Nice. And he would have regular weekend visits with his boys. So by all accounts, I mean, this divorce, while sad, I mean, they seem to be working it. Yeah. Just fine. It's going good. Drew married his second wife, Vicky, in 1982. This was another one of the women that he had been cheating on Carol with. Oh, my gosh. So Vicky had her own daughter that she brought into this marriage. And in 1985, Drew was fired from the police department. Oh, wow. For several offenses of misconduct and failure to immediately report a bribe. Oh, a bribe for towards him? Yes. Oh, wow. So basically, he was soliciting drugs out of, like, the narcotics evidence locker uh-huh. in exchange for information about the police. Oh, so, like, wow. Yeah. So it was going both ways. He would, like, give out drugs, and then he would also, like, accept drugs as, like, a, hey, I'll, uh, I'll give you this if you just tell me what the cops know about, like, me and my drug operation. Oh, my goodness. Obviously, Drew, what little we know about him, we know that he's he has to be right. He's got to be in control. Mm-hmm. He fought this. He fought for reinstatement in 1986, and he won. Oh, wow. Basically, the special prosecutor that was in charge of this investigation of misconduct said that the police commissioners in the beginning – did not have sufficient evidence to prove the charges they were bringing against Peterson mm-hmm. and they had to let him come back. So they did. It sounds like a technicality. You didn't dot your I's and cross your T's. So uh, we have to let him come. Well, back. yeah. Th- and that would feel really awkward coming back in that sort of way. Like, uh, they didn't, they didn't get rid of me correctly the first time, even though I did something wrong, but now I'm back. But, you know that someone like Drew wouldn't make it awkward. That's true. That's true. He's charming. He's, yeah, knows what and to say. He, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so meanwhile, Drew can't keep his hands off the ladies and he was cheating again. So now he's cheating on Vicky. He cheated with Vicky on Carol. It's just, it. it's a daisy chain. And it never I, stops. I love how these women think, um, 
Oh, I'm the one. He cheated on his first wife with me or on his girlfriend with me. He won't do that to me. I always think that that's so odd that people think that won't happen. Yeah. So he was cheating with a woman named Kathleen. Okay. And he and Kathleen carried on an affair for a few years and Vicky and Drew divorced in February of 1992. Okay. Drew and Ka- Kathleen were married in April of 1992. Oh, wow. Yeah. Drew did not stay uh, single very long. Well. No, he didn't. So he didn't the- have children with her, right, though, with this one? With, with Vicky, the- no, he did not. Okay. He has well the two sons with Carol and uh, none with Vicky that I know of. Okay. Okay. So Kathleen and Drew, like I said, they got married in April of 1992. Uh-huh. And Drew's behavior. So I think a lot of us know, based on listening to true crime, that um, this cycle of violence with abusive and controlling spouses Most of the time, I think it starts at zero with new partners, and then it slowly ramps up. Yeah. Drew doesn't seem to ever really reset to zero. It just amplifies. So they're falling for this guy with controlling tendencies right out the bat? I mean, he has to be really charming. He does. I bet you there's some major love bombing there at the beginning, too. Oh, I bet there has to be. Yeah, yeah. So... They were married, again, April 1992. By 1993, Kathleen was hospitalized for a head injury that she blamed on Drew. Oh, wow. And I don't have any real information on the nature of this, like what happened, what the story was. But the source that I have said that she was hospitalized for a head injury and it was Drew's fault. Oh, wow. Ouch. Um, Their marriage just kind of chugs along. And um, they do have two children together. Uh Um, Somehow Drew keeps pumping out boys. I don't understand. But by 1997, Kathleen started receiving some really concerning letters from an anonymous source. Okay. In these letters, this anonymous author makes quite a few claims about Drew and his character. And, you know, a lot of times I feel like if you receive some anonymous note, you'd be like, Whatever. Yeah. But like, these are um, more than a little concerning. So they talked about a specific instance, and I've actually seen a photocopy of the letter. So it talked about a specific instance of Drew allowing a handcuffed arrested man to be beaten while he was handcuffed. Oh, no. They also noted that Drew was planting drugs at a drug raid because apparently Drew has a history of misconduct. And apparently to get himself out of hot water, he needed to make a – we all know how this works. Like when when you're not doing so hot at work, you're like, man, I need to make something real good happen to make myself look good because then they'll forget about what's going on. Well – Drew decided to plant some drugs, uh, specifically cocaine, I believe, right before a raid in order to get a very big arrest. What an idiot. Well, the author also writes in this letter that all of the police leadership, all of the, the chief of police, all of the upper staff, including the town mayor, knew about Drew's misconduct 
and they just help to cover it up. They just turn their heads. Yup. It's the good old boys club. So corrupt. So, you know, we have this uh, 40-some-year-old cop. He's uh, he's allowing inmates, not even inmates, just detainees to be beaten. Uh, he's sleeping with an underage girl. He's planting drugs. Jeez. Yeah. Um, because, yes, old habits die hard. And Drew is cheating on Kathleen with a girl, a 17-year-old girl named Stacy. A 17-year-old girl? Yes. How old is this guy now? 40-something. Holy shit. And you missed it, and I buried it in there on purpose because I, I wanted, I thought you would miss it. Yeah. This author wrote about how everyone knew that Drew was sleeping this with this girl. Oh, my goodness. And no one was doing anything. Did her parents even know? So let's talk about Stacy Kales. Because her life is actually really sad. Oh, of course. Um, For the most vulnerable, probably. Oh, my goodness. Uh, So her parents, Anthony and Christy, married in 1979. In December of 1983, they had a two-year-old daughter named Jessica. And Christy was eight months pregnant with Stacy. One night, while Anthony was out, their home caught on fire. Oh. Christy was unable to save her two-year-old daughter. (gasps) Oh, God. And she had to climb out of a window barefoot um, to escape this fire. That is awful. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Eight months pregnant. And her poor daughter dies in a fire. That is so awful. Could you imagine the guilt you would feel? Oh, my God. And then how much that would take away from just the joy of this. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. Oh, that's awful. So, unfortunately, two-year-old Jessica did die from burns and smoke inhalation, which is just so Oh, so that means she was alive. Oh, Yes, this poor baby. That's awful. Family members identified this instance, this fire and the death of Jessica, as the moment in Christie's life when everything began to unravel. Oh, man. In 1983, Christie filed for an order of protection from Anthony, saying that Anthony had threatened her with a gun. He was charged with aggravated assault, but Christy refused to testify against him, and so the charges were dropped. I mean, we hear this all the time. Yeah, yeah. That victims are too terrified to testify, and so they can't proceed. Uh, Anthony and Christy would go on to have two additional children. Okay. 1986, Christy was horribly troubled. So she ended up spending some time in a psychiatric hospital. She openly admitted to being an alcoholic. She said that she would drink a case of beer a day all by herself. And she was racking up convictions for criminal charges, including child neglect. Oh. Um, She just, and then. She was probably so depressed, though. And not that that excuses, but do you know what I'm saying? And then in 1987, another one of their children died from SIDS. So they have had two babies die. die. For complete accidents, things that they could not have done anything about. And that's going to totally mess with you, too. Oh, yeah. 
Ugh. So... 1989, Christie's downward spiral just keeps going. She was arrested for shoplifting vodka and cigarettes in November of that year. And then in December, she was arrested for stealing two cases of beer, liquor, and more cigarettes. I mean, she is self-medicating out the wazoo. She's, I feel for her. Yeah. Um, by 1990, she was hospitalized for alcoholism and depression. And at that point, Anthony actually filed an order of protection against Christy, citing her child neglect. And um, apparently at one point, uh, Christy had broken the windshield on his car and burned a lot of his clothing. Oh, wow. I'm not really sure. Again, this is one of those events that I don't have details on, but... It, this is pretty serious. And so he filed for divorce. I mean, yeah. I mean, at a certain point, like, okay, I, I get that we've had this devastating life together, but get yourself help. And if you can't, then, you know, he has to do what's best for him and his children. Yeah, I, I kind of don't blame him, but like, yeah, that sucks for her, though, too. Yeah. Um, so Anthony was awarded full custody of the couple's four remaining children. Okay. So there was Christina, who was 14, and she was actually Christie's child from a previous relationship. She was not Anthony's child. Okay. And then there was Yelton, who was 10 years old, Stacy, who was six, and Cassandra, who was five. Oh, Okay. I didn't really see the details behind this, but Christina, the oldest, actually ended up in foster care. Oh, wow. And I don't know if it has to do with the fact that he, she was not Anthony's child. I'm not really sure what happened, but she did end up in foster care. Okay, that sucks, but... In 1994, Anthony met a woman named Linda who actually was providing child care for the now three children who were in the house. So there was Yelton, Stacy, and Cassandra were the three children. Okay. And uh, this kind of blossomed into a relationship and Anthony and Linda ended up getting married in 1995. Unfortunately, their marriage did have its own struggles. Um, in 1995... Both Linda and Anthony were arrested for domestic violence <sighs> against each, each other. other. Yeah. Yep. In the same instance. So it's a happy house. Oh, man. There are <laughs> no happy houses here. No, it doesn't sound um, like it. Elsewise, Christy continues to struggle with drugs and alcohol, mm. and she would start leading a more and more transient life. Oh, no. She would frequently be out of contact with her family for weeks at a time. And in March, March 11th, 1998, Christy actually told one of her friends that, so there are different reports depending on who you talk to. So there's mm -hmm. two stories. She was either going to a friend's house or she was going to a church. Not okay. sure. And possibly she was going to a church to meet a friend to go to the house. Whatever. Yeah. She never arrived at her final destination. And she was never heard from again. Really? To this day. They still don't even still know? still missing. The Charlie Project has a, a post oh, wow. about her. And they have no no leads, no clues. She never, she just left. Uh, people believe that her live-in boyfriend murdered her. He has never been named a suspect, and there's not enough evidence, unfortunately. What a life. So coming back to Stacy, Stacy grew up with this. Oh, God. Um, 
in 2001, Stacy graduated high school and she was working at Spring Hill Suites Hotel in Bolingbroke. Okay. Um, she was a student at Joliet Junior College. She was studying pre-nursing and she met this charismatic older man, Ooh. Drew Peterson, Ugh. and they were in a relationship. Oh, God. So this brings us to 2002. So kind of bringing um, the the Drew side of the story and the Stacy side of the story together now. Okay. Remember, it was October 2001 that Kathleen received that anonymous letter. Yeah. Um, talking about the misconduct and the affair. And in 2002, Kathleen began filing a series of complaints against Drew for abuse. Okay. And she filed an order of protection against him, claiming that Drew had tried to kill her. And in August of that year, she began divorce proceedings. Oh, well, gotta so, do what you gotta do. Yeah. Um, Kathleen and Drew actually both filed for a dissolution of the marriage. Um, I guess technically this was two separate cases, but the courts merged them together. And... Kathleen was given temporary custody of their two sons and exclusive possession of their home. So Kathleen gets the house. Kathleen gets the kids. Oh, wow. She gets everything. In November of 2002, she wrote this long letter outlining the history of abuse and threats that Drew had made against her. And in December of 2002, she filed a complaint against Drew. Oh. Saying that he, so she had changed the locks in their home. Uh-huh. And he came in and trashed it. Oh. So this brings us to 2003. Stacy became pregnant with Drew's child. And Kathleen and Drew's marriage was officially dissolved in October. So October 10th, 2003, their marriage was officially done it over with uh, okay. at the time the judge said you know uh this is done we're scheduling a hearing later so in april of next year we're gonna come back we're gonna make decisions on child support and maintenance of finances and we're going to make a decision on division of property okay so this was october 10th october 18th stacy and drew were married what so in eight days, the eight days between that, that is nuts. Is that legal? How old was she? She's only 17. She, she would have been. Um, oh, 19. I think she was 19 when yeah, they got 19. married. Yeah. Okay. And he was like 43. That's disgusting. It is disgusting. Uh, February 29th, 2004. So uh, Drew. Again, he had his boys for weekend visits, and they were they had a visitation. Uh -huh. February 29th, he was bringing them back home to bring them back to Kathleen, except Kathleen could not be reached. She wasn't answering her phone, not at the house. So the next night, March 1st, a locksmith and four of Kathleen's neighbors went inside the home with Drew, which seems weird to me. Yeah. Why? One neighbor, maybe. Yeah, Why but do we four? need four neighbors? Why? <laughs> Unless a, we need witnesses. Exactly. It's a neighborhood party, apparently. Kathleen 
was found in a bone dry bathtub. Okay. Uh, Illinois State Police conducted an investigation and an autopsy, and they concluded that Kathleen passed away due to an accident. She had slipped in the tub, knocked her head, and died. Can I ask, was she clothed? Like, what's the, what? I didn't see any specific details. I get the feeling that she was nude. Okay. And then maybe just had a bath and then draining the bath and then slipped? Like, slipped and knocked her head or something. But they did conclude Mm. that, yep, it was an accident. Okay. So, this was February of 2004. Remember, they were supposed to have a hearing to decide all of this stuff in April. Yeah. Well, Kathleen passed away. So, the courts ruled in Drew's favor on everything. Oh, because wow. Kathleen's dead. What other choice do they have? Yeah. August 30th, 2007. Stacy called a church leader who um, this was a one of the clergymen who offered counseling to the members. This was not confessional. This was not professional therapy. This was let's sit and talk it out and I'll give you advice. Okay. They met for coffee the next day and Stacy told him that she was growing increasingly afraid of the amount of control that Drew had over her life. Uh, this clergyman said that Stacy was anxious, tense, and cried during this conversation. Uh, Stacy explicitly said that she didn't think she could get away from Drew safely. And specifically, and this is so sweet and it tells you so much about Stacy, she said she would not leave without her children. Oh. This included his two sons from Kathleen because she had adopted them. And she said she would not leave them. Oh, wow. Which is so sweet. This girl is at this point, I believe she's 23. Yeah. These kids are more than half her age. The older son is 14 years old. And she's saying that she won't leave them. That's really sad. She also disclosed to this clergyman that, you know, the night that Kathleen died, uh, Drew had gone to bed with me. But at one point I woke up and he wasn't in bed and I walked around the house and I looked for him and I called his phone and he didn't answer. He wasn't home middle of the night. Uh, That's suspicious. It gets worse because in the early morning hours he came home and she saw Drew dressed all in black, putting some unknown women's clothing in the washing machine and then putting his own clothing in the washing machine. This was not her clothing. How does she, so really quick, did she, because me, instinctually, as soon as he got into bed, I would get up and I would go to the washer and look at the clothing. Did she ever, like, look at it or she just she knew? She did. Yeah, She okay. did. She knew that was not her clothing. Okay. Okay. Weird. Middle of October, after this conversation, Stacy called a divorce ator- attorney and she said that she wanted a divorce from Drew. Stacy wanted out. Okay. I don't know if she did this on purpose or if this was accidental or what, but she actually ended up calling the same divorce attorney that was representing Kathleen in her divorce from Drew. And that attorney actually said, you know, I don't think that I can represent you because this seems like a conflict of interest to me. Oh. But not before Stacy told him 
a lot of information, actually. Um, actually, no, I think it was afterwards. Okay. This, this becomes relevant later, the timeline and some of the information. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, so Stacy told his last name is Smith. So Stacy told him that Drew was pissed at her. So Drew is pissed at Stacy because Stacy told one of Kathleen's sons that Drew had killed her. What? So Drew was mad at Stacy because Stacy told Chris that Drew had killed Chris's mother. I'm trying you got that look on your face. I know because I because now I'm confused with all the wives ex wives names. I know Kathleen's the one who died in the bathtub. Okay, by accident. Okay, Chris is her son. Yes. Okay, and Stacy said to Stacey Chris, told Chris that Drew killed Drew your killed, mother. Okay. Okay. Now I get it. And Drew found out, and he was pissed. Okay. Okay. Um, she also said that she was she believed that Drew was tracking her location using her phone. And the attorney said, like, hey, we're on the phone right now. If he's using, like, if he's tracking your phone, you need to be careful. Yeah. And Stacy said, and I quote, I have too much shit on him at the police department, so I'm not worried about my safety. Oh. So apparently Stacy knows. Yeah, she has some info. She's got some shit on him. Yeah. She also... And this is where I think she may have gone wrong. Okay. Uh, she asked the attorney, hey, can we get more money out of him if we threaten to tell the cops about the murder? <laughs> and the attorney was like, um, that's called blackmail. <laughs> and it's very illegal. Yeah. So no. Probably not. Yeah. Stacy also mentioned that the phone she was calling on was like a burner and oh. Drew didn't know about it. Okay. Except that at the end of the phone call, the attorney heard Drew. And he heard Drew going, hey, what are you doing? And Stacy on the phone was like, oh, oh no. And Drew's like, what are you doing? And Stacy hung up. Oh, wow. And that was the end of that conversation. Uh-oh. That's a little concerning. That is very concerning. Uh, Stacy also, I mean, she's telling more and more people her plans here. Yeah. I don't know if she was, she's young. I don't know if she just couldn't keep her mouth shut yeah. or if she was telling people to keep herself safe because I, she told, I think that's what she, exactly what she was doing. She told her neighbor that she had actually packed like 10 boxes of Drew's stuff and said, get out and take this with you. And Drew said no. She also told her younger sister, Cassandra, that she wanted a divorce and that she was speaking with attorneys. So more and more people really. Oh, yeah. I think she was just sprinkling all of this information, just like you said, to help keep her safe. And she I think she knew what she was dealing with with him. Oh, absolutely. And this actually tells you that's exactly what she knew. Yeah. Um, October 26th, 2007. Cassandra had been spending more and more time with Stacy because she needs the support. She needs the help. And that Friday night, Cassandra was hanging out with Stacy at their house. And Stacy said, if anything happens to me, I fear for my life. Oh, wow. She also said that she was going to tell Drew she wanted to divorce that day. Well, that's all very coincidental. Yep. So Saturday, the 27th, Cassandra was understandably worried. And so she went back to Stacy's house. They spent more time together. And Cassandra noticed kind of a weird, this like really large barrel in the yard. And she's like, uh, what is that? 
that's unsightly. What what are we doing? And Stacey was like, oh, it's just like a 50-gallon drum of chlorine that we use for the pool. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. They talked all day. They texted all day. Cassandra spent some of the night there. And when Cassandra left the house on Saturday night, Stacy said, hey, I'll call you in the morning when I wake up. Okay. And that's where I'm going to stop. What? No. This that's was the like end of part one. That was super short. Um, there's there's a lot that um, happens. Man. So yeah. So um that that is where I'm gonna stop for okay. today because I am still researching this and while I have a lot of the information, I don't have all of it and I wanna make sure that I get as much in as I can. Well, I'm disappointed, but excited at the same time. So yeah, because <laughs> I mean, this whole first part is all very, very sad. Like, it is well, especially Stacy's mom's life, like her the how she, that kind oh, of like yeah. that cloud that she grew up in, right? Oh, With losing the lost... two children. Yeah. Oh, and I think I mentioned this in part two, but I'll say it here. Um, that older sister, Christine, that ended yeah. up in foster care, she died from cancer in 2006. Stop it. So it's just, it's all very sad. That whole side, the women on her side, that's tragic. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And they were all girls, right? Like the two-year-old was a girl. Yes. I don't uh, know about the the infant that died from SIDS. I'm not sure. But then the mom died. Well, she disappeared, right? Mm-hmm. And then the Stacey, older, oldest sister dies. Did the oldest sister die before Stacy died? Uh, before Stacy went missing, yes. That's awful. Yeah, horrible. And I will go into more detail about Yelton, the older brother, and Cassandra, the younger sister, in part two. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, no problem. And thanks, Ginny, because I think I knew the outline of the story. But yeah. I had no idea all the details, especially about Stacy's family. This is really sad. It is very sad. So, yes, right. we will we will talk about this next week. Okay. I will see you next week and everybody else. Yes, we will see all of you next week. And your mom. And... And the people you invite to listen to us with you because you're going to invite your friends, right? Your neighbor. Your neighbor. Which shout out to my neighbor. He listens and he was horrified at my <laughs> motto, M-O. Oh my God. We have gotten so many messages and comments about people who uh, think yeah. that you are hilarious. <laughs> he was horrified. He's, he even said, I know exactly where I was when I heard that. I was at this off ramp, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh gosh. So... <laughs> Shout out oh, to Justin. <laughs> Thank you all for dealing with uh, us as we learn things. Exactly. <laughs> Especially me. <laughs> oh, all right. We'll see you next week. Good night. Bye. Good night. Good morning. Goodbye. Afternoon. Goodbye. Kat and I are so grateful for all of our listeners, and we love hearing from you guys. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Alternative Interest Podcast, and let us know your thoughts on this week's case. We want to cover the things that you guys want to hear, so please email us your case suggestions at alternativeinterestpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and sharing us with your friends. Be good to each other, and we'll see you next week.